0: good morning everybody and welcome welcome to Essex Church and to this our gathered community of the spirit known as Kensington Unitarians it's a bank holiday Sunday the Sun is shining and uh, here in Notting Hill the carnival revelers are donning their costumes and powering up their sound systems and here we are Also taking time out from the normal, the everyday, to gather together. So I invite you to settle yourselves for the next hour or so by taking a breath and as we breathe out, as we exhale, let's enjoy that feeling of being here now. There is nowhere else to be. There is nothing else to do. This moment is the only time there is, here in a succession of present moments and it's made holy, I believe, by our being here together, our presence here together this day. Together we create this simple semi-circle, a sacred space, through our intention and our attention. And through our assertion that each of us is okay as we are, there's no need to pretend, there's, there's no need to hide. It's fine to let our masks slip, at least a bit, and reveal us as the flawed, glorious, quirky, unique beings that we are. Our chalice flame is lit and it's connecting us with Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist communities the world over. And today it's bringing an especial greeting to all of you from our Hucklow Summer School, where a few of us have been this last week exploring a theme of theology in the flesh. A very juicy theme indeed, we all agreed. And these words of welcome um, were a favourite in the group that I was co-facilitating. I wonder if they speak to you. They're written by Sean Neil Barron. Your body is welcome here. All of it. Yes, even that part. Mm, And that part. And yes, even that part. The parts you love and the parts you don't. For in this place we come with all that we are, all that we have been, and all that we are going to be. Our bodies join in a web of co-creation, created and creating. Constantly changing, constantly changing us, scarred and tattooed, tense and relaxed, diseased and cured, unfamiliar and intimate, formed in infinite diversity of creation. Your body is welcome here, all of it. So take a moment and welcome it. Take a moment to feel in it. Take a moment to be in it. And of course we're part of a wider world out there which is why we're saying a prayer now for Notting Hill Carnival and revel us the world over. Let's ready ourselves for a time of prayer. Because this is a time for us to connect with that which we hold to be of greatest worth. As our neighbourhood prepares itself for two days of carnival celebrations, let us pray for all those who gather to celebrate and enjoy. For music makers and costume creators, for those who put such great year-long effort into the making of such celebrations. Let's pray for our streets and for the streets of our world, these busy thoroughfares through our cities that enable us to get from A to B, that holds our shops and offices and homes. Let's give thanks for those who keep our streets clean, those often unseen workers who clear up the mess that we make let's give thanks for all those who keep our streets lit at night who make plans for our transport who work in shops may all be guided by such a yearning to make life better for everyone not just themselves And in this quiet moment, let's pray for all the places in the world where the streets are not safe. Where battles, rage or fires destroy. For the places where people are oppressed. Where poverty means there is little or nothing in the shops to buy and no money to buy it with. Oh, may we find ways to live with greater equality in this world, to more fairly share the resources we have, and to bring economic justice to all world agreements. I invite you in a few moments of shared stillness now to direct our thoughts and prayers to places and people we know to be most in need this day. And may we work for the greater good of all, this day and all days. Amen. Apologies, you're just going to be listening to me throughout this service. My reader was one of the people who could not face walking through Notting Hill to get here. Um, And I... yeah... I can't put on a John O'Donoghue voice. I wish, I wish I could. Um, As I've said, I've just spent a week um, with 65 other Unitarians at our Hucklow Summer School. Do you know, it's cool up there in late summer. It's just deliciously cool in the Peak District. I recommend it to you. And whilst I was there, I was talking with two of the youth leaders who'd already spent a week up at Great Hucklow with a group of teenagers. And one of their days was spent on outdoor pursuits. Two activities I remember well, potholing and abseiling. Uh, now these are both in challenging activities and they're often a great leveller between adults and young people because there's no telling who is going to be scared of what Stereotypes can really be upturned on days like this. I have seen tough men shaking at the thought of squeezing through a tight pothole. And I've seen timid souls start to shine as they realise that they are actually quite happy dangling on a rope off a bridge. One of the leaders told us how sharing her own vulnerabilities had released some really caring behaviour in those young people. They actually held out a hand to her once she told them how scared she was feeling in that pothole. And then they teased her about it later, but, but teased in that way that humans do when they want to connect through shared stories, through shared experiences. So these are John O'Donohue's words about encouragement. And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder who's encouraged you in life. There are people whose presence is encouraging. One of the most beautiful gifts in the world is the gift of encouragement. When someone encourages you, that person helps you over a threshold you might otherwise never have crossed on your own. For there are times of great uncertainty in every life. Left alone at such a time, you feel dishevelment and confusion like gravity. When a friend comes with words of encouragement, a light and a lightness visit you and you begin to find the stairs and the door out of the dark. The sense of encouragement you feel from the friend is not simply their words or their gestures, It's rather their whole presence enfolding you and helping you find the concealed door. The encouraging presence manages to understand you and put themselves in your shoes. There is no judgment but words of relief and release. Encouragement helps you to engage and trust your own possibility and potential. Sometimes you are unable to see the special gift that you bring to the world. And to follow your gift is a calling to a wonderful adventure of discovery. There are people whose presence is encouraging. Words from John O'Donohue from his lovely book, Eternal Echoes. It, I've written here, stories of standing up to naysayers and I've now remembered that I meant to do some serious thinking about why that word naysayers made me laugh and in fact it wasn't just me it was something in our family about don't be a naysayer and it it must have a history to it it's such an old-fashioned word isn't it so stories of standing up to naysayers and I was really struck how many kind of folk, traditional type stories are based on the idea of there will be people who try to bring you down and your job is to find your inner strength and stand up against them and pursue your own path. The, the two stories that I'd remembered, I'll, I'll just tell them really briefly because they'll be ones you've perhaps heard before. The, the first one um, I've long known from teaching religious education in schools, and it's the story of um, children. I don't know if, are any of you teachers or have been teachers? Because there are many tricks in teaching uh, to just get through the day, and one, of course, is to. What about some colouring in or draw a nice picture and it can be extremely restful for both students and staff i found that sort of afternoon so this story involves a teacher who's let the children get on with it they're doing their own thing but as teachers often do i'm afraid she couldn't help but poke her nose into things and ask one young girl, well what, what are you drawing? And, and the girl said, I'm drawing God. And, and the teacher could not stop herself at that moment from saying, well, look, nobody knows what God looks like. And uh, the child looks up and says, well, they will do when I finish my picture. <laughs> and I always like telling that one in a fierce voice because I'd like a child to stand up to an RE teacher in that way. And the other one, you probably know the story of the the Star Thrower. The the and, and it's a story I've long known, but only recently was I in Norfolk and I discovered that there is a charity there, a cancer charity, called the Star Throwers, and they base their charity's name and indeed its work on this particular story and it's the story of somebody, another naysayer it has got to be said, walking along a beach. Now I don't know why this happens but ever so often great numbers of things seem to come out of the sea and get stuck on the beach and it's always upset me. In this country it happens most with jellyfish and I strongly recommend you do not carry out this story with jellyfish I think there may be too many jellyfish in the sea and i don't think you should be touching them on a beach or throwing them at one another but i think it works better with starfish so ever so often starfish beach themselves and there you are the gloomy naysayer walking along the beach spotting this young man who is throwing the starfish back in the sea and the naysayer goes What are you doing? There's thousands of them. Well, you're not going to make a difference. The young man quietly picks up another starfish, chucks it in the sea, and goes, well, I may have made a difference to that one. And that is the story of the star throwers. And I find that image rather lovely, even though I suspect the starfish may already be dead. But but we don't always know, do we? (sighs) You know, I think we'd better hear an ABBA pop song. It's the only way we're going to get out of this. <laughs> I have a dream. <laughs> I promised I wouldn't sing along to this. <laughs> it's music for meditation. Should going to have a time of uh, meditation now. There'll be a few spoken words and then that will lead into a time of stillness that we'll share. A good few minutes of silence that will come to an end with a chime from our bell. So do whatever you need to do to feel comfortable now. Perhaps putting down anything you don't need to hold on to or holding on to anything you would like to hold on to. Just allowing your gentle rhythm of your breathing to settle you and to allow you to turn inwards for a while. Maybe softening your gaze or focusing on the candles or closing your eyes, whatever works for you for a time of stillness. And I invite you in these few minutes to consider those who encourage us. For surely all of us have a dream or many dreams in a lifetime and sometimes we work on those alone but so often we need to share our dreams with others and some people can be so very encouraging. I wonder who it is who encourages you particularly in life or who has encouraged you in the past because sometimes those people are the ones who get us to make those first steps and then life is changed. We have become... Who we could possibly be. I invite you to think of love and with love and appreciation of those who encourage you. So today is the last service of our monthly theme, which has been hopes and dreams. And it's one of those themes that has grown on me as the uh, month has progressed. It's made me think. And one aspect, one aspect of it that's really got me thinking is the way that we can both encourage and discourage one another. And the ways that we allow Other people and indeed our wider society and culture to encourage and discourage us along certain pathways and of course sometimes we do the encouraging and discouraging all by ourselves with those repeating messages that go round and round in some of our minds maybe we should have a show of hands for anybody who doesn't have any of these sorts of messages I can do this No, I can't. I'm useless. I always get it wrong. Come on, it's worth a try, etc., 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 etc. I think a valuable exercise through life is to try and get to know our own internal monologue a bit better so that we can recognize the messages that are helpful and, more importantly, learn ways to quieten the messages that undermine us. Don't most of us have a bit of an inner critic or an internal saboteur? I've had in this last month to come clean about the ways that I have crushed other people's dreams at times and the reasons for that kind of behaviour. As a parent and a grandparent, as as someone who spends a fair bit of time with people younger than myself, I've come to realise that I am sometimes made quite fearful by other people's high hopes and that what I fear is their disappointment when life doesn't go as they'd planned. I've had to learn to watch out for that negative voice in me, the one that mutters, this is going to end in tears. Because this kind of naysaying Well, it's a protective response, and I'm trying to protect others from disappointment. I'm trying to protect myself from their reactions to this possible failure. But it's a bit like trying to shut down life's energy itself, really. The life force itself, because I think life is naturally exuberant. I think we are naturally exuberant if we're left to our own resources. We're naturally creative, we're naturally full of plans, full of hopes and dreams, unless they've been crushed out of us. And that crushing process, as some people know, can happen very early on. I know that some of us like to refer to the Philip Larkin poem, This Be The Verse, which I shall paraphrase as it's a bit early on a Sunday morning to be swearing. They mess you up, your mum and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. I mean, it's a brilliant poem, I think. But, you know, he, let's be honest. Philip Larkin was a tad of a naysayer himself about life, wasn't he? I think he specialised in it, in truth. But, but maybe through his poetry, he was attempting... A task that is required of most of us who have been raised by less-than-perfect parents. That task of coming to terms with the harmful messages we were given in childhood, processing them and ideally replacing them whenever we can with messages that are more helpful to our lives today. And alongside that task comes the need to accept that it is the nature of life itself to crush some of our dreams. We can't have everything the way we want it to go, and if our dreams involve other people and we haven't actually shared the dreams with the person concerned and got their agreement, well, then we're in fantasy land. And who has not been in that land, I wonder? A pinch of reality is then needed, isn't it? Or at least a clear conversation where we share our fantasy and see how the other person responds. It, I had to choose um, W.B. Yeats's um, poem, which I haven't got it um, here. Oh, again, this needs a voice other than mine. It's on the front of the order of service sheet. Had I the heavens-embroidered cloths, enwrought with golden and silver light, the blue and the dim and the dark cloths of night, and light and the half-light, I would spread the cloths under your feet. But I, being poor, have only my dreams. I have spread my dreams under your feet. Tread softly, because you tread on my dreams. Oh, makes me go all tingly, does that one. Mm -hmm. I think it has that tingle response for quite a few of us because we have spread our dreams, haven't we? Beneath somebody else's feet at times. And uh, those last two lines, what an achingly resonant description of the vulnerability of romantic love. Is, is found in those two lines. That image of a, a soft carpet, a soft weaving of hopes and dreams, well, it sometimes needs to be toughened up for the real world, doesn't it? A real world that is full of risk taking and trial and error and many failures that only sometimes lead to success. But perhaps we can find encouragement. Encouragement from the power that emerges when we light an inner fire. Have you felt, I hope, that inner fire sometimes that can really energise us, that can engage and focus us, can give us valuable new perspectives and possible new steps? That, for me, is the creative process. And when we work with our own creativity, I reckon we discover the power To withstand dream crushers, even when the dream crusher is ourself. So, may it be so for all of us who are engaged in creating a better world for all. The bigger task. Amen. Robin Tanner writes, Blessed blessed are they who try again, who dust themselves off, who wash up on shores of disappointment, who extend the wish for peace, who return to sites of failure, who are dogged in their pursuit, for they will discover the secret to dreams. Blessed are they who refuse to listen to the naysayers, for their hearts will be houses for hope. Blessed are they who see beyond the surface of another, for they will be able to delight in the gift of compassion. So, in the week that lies ahead, let us each be gentle encouragers of ourselves, passionate supporters of one another, and lovers of life itself, with all its possibilities and all its flaws. For this is what it is, to be alive. Amen. Go well, blessed be.